Blog Talk Radio. Listening to the LC and Jack Radio Show live from New York. And now, here are your hosts, LC and Jack. April 27, 2010, you are tuned in to yet another edition of the LC and Jack Radio Show. Live on Fox Talk Radio. I'm Jack. My partner's LC. You are listening to the LC and Jack Radio I'm Show. Excited that you are here with us this evening, LC. My partner, are you there? Hey, Jack. How are you today, man? How's everything going? Everything is great, you know. And as we continue to get more and more familiar with our new home here on Blog Talk Radio, it just seems like something will go wrong. Can <laughs> go wrong. It certainly will go wrong, but no. Well, that's what's happened, my friend, with live radio. So nonetheless, we are back here again for another edition of the show, and um, I know that we have a guest tonight, so we won't spend too much time on ourselves because certainly uh, we're interested and our listeners are interested in what our guest has to say. So why don't you tell me about your week, and uh, maybe we'll uh, jump right into it if that's okay. Yeah, well, Jack, I was out of town. I had a chance to go down to the Carolinas for a little mini family, family reunion down there. So I had a chance to kind of reconnect with uh, family, friends that you haven't seen or talked to in a long time. So it was just really a great time, 90-degree weather down there. I tell you, man, I almost didn't come back. I almost almost lost a partner in crime. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I love New York, but I tell you, man, when you get a chance to uh, slow it down a little bit, it's really great. And I guess it's, uh, it's good for the mental, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, did uh, did Elsie put the bathing suit on? No, no, you know, I just kind of, you know, I had the shorts on, T-shirt, you know, I had a little cigar action going on, so okay. it was just kind of good to get out of the fast pace of the New York City, you know, grind, Yeah. and just get out and just relax a little bit, spend time with the family. Yeah, there's nothing like having some time off, and uh, having that time off without a laptop or multiple cell phones, that kind of thing, just to be able to kick back and relax. So, yeah, how was your week? Pretty good. I'm happy that uh, you had some time to yourself. I was actually traveling uh, this week. The last 10 days or so have been very busy for Jack, so Jack is happy to uh, be back in New York as well. I spent some time down in Pennsylvania, and I was also in Washington as well, and uh, it's it's good to be home. It really is because when you're living out of a suitcase, it's uh, it'd be fun the first few times, but uh, once it becomes a routine, then certainly it disrupts uh, your flow. So it's good to be back. It's good to be back on the radio as well with uh, you, Elsie. That's right. I missed you on the last episode of the Elsie and Jack Radio Show. So it's great for us to be back together as a as a duo. That's right. We're. More- <laughs> If our listeners would like to tune in this evening and be a part of the discussion, as always, uh, we welcome your calls, your comments, your questions. Please call 347-843-4738. And if you happen to be a listener who owns a business or someone who's thinking about creating a business and you'd like to 
allow us to help you grow your business. And LC, perhaps you can tell our listeners how they can make contact and be a part of our growing venture. Yeah, give us a call in the office, area code 631-664-4452. We have a package to meet your needs, whether it be a live plug here on the air on the LC and Jack radio show, or if you'd like to have an ad up on our website, lcandjack.com, we have a package that we'll put together that will, you know, it will it'll, it'll meet that pocket and meet that budget that you have. So give us a shout, area code 631-664-4452. And certainly the reason why we do the program is for you. And if you have comments or suggestions about guests who you'd like us to interview, uh, you can reach out to us at lcandjack at gmail.com, and we'll be sure to review your suggestions. LC, why don't we get into the program? Yes, we should. Our guest this week, Jack, is currently the managing director and co-director of the sports division at Nigro, Carlin, Siegel, and Felstein. As a business manager, Craig is responsible for his business clients' financial, business, life, management needs. He's also spent uh, over a decade, Jack, uh, working with professional athletes, and also he is a former baseball player. And he is very intimate, understanding the needs of his uh, clients. So I'm so like to give a warm welcome to Mr. Craig Brown. Craig, how are you? I'm well, thanks, Elsie and Jack. Uh, appreciate you having me on. We appreciate sure. you coming on, spending some time with us. Absolutely. Yeah, it's our pleasure. So, hopefully, are you in a warm climate, or are you around snow, or what's your? No, I'm actually I'm in Florida, so uh, it's a the you know the weather couldn't be better. It's uh, you know 7:30 at night, still 82 degrees, uh, not a cloud in the sky, so it's it's pretty nice. I think I'm going to get on a flight and uh, hang out with you because it's a little chilly back up here in New York. <laughs> oh. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, I was um, watching you know one of the baseball games and saw weather up in the Northeast. It's still uh, it's still biting, rainy up there, right? Yeah, we actually it was sunny, rained. Sun, it didn't rain again, and then the sun looks like it's just popping back out again. So it's a little crazy up here as far as weather's concerned. Yeah. Well, Craig, this is with the calm before the storm. So go ahead. I'm, I'm... <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Tell us, uh, tell us about your career. I understand you have a background in finance. Sure. Um, I'll give you the, uh, I guess the 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 scaled down version. I um, graduated with a degree in finance from uh, Tulane University, the AB Freeman School of Business. Um, went to Tulane in New Orleans on a uh, baseball scholarship, and um, while at Tulane, um, met one of my best friends whose father was the managing director of the Diversified Assets Group at Lehman Brothers um, up in New York, and ended up going up there after my junior year at college and working at Lehman in one of the World Financial Center buildings and really got hooked on the whole uh you know financial services industry and um knew it was something that, that fascinated me um i planned on you know really going into that field immediately after college but was fortunate enough to get drafted by the cleveland indians uh, and played a few years of minor league baseball which kind of um was probably a blessing in disguise because it allowed me the opportunity to to um 
you know, not jump right into into my career, but to have a little bit of time to kind of reflect on what exactly it was I wanted to do, and subsequently realized maybe New York wasn't the place I wanted to go, you know, as a 22-year-old to try and cut my teeth. So I ended up staying in New Orleans and, and catching on with Merrill Lynch, uh, mm-hmm. and spent about and spent about eight years there working in the retail uh, brokerage side, which means, um, in a nutshell, that you're working with, um, you know, individuals, uh, middle America, so to speak, you know. Um, helping them to plan for retirement and to uh, plan for their futures. And during that time, um, probably I guess as part of a natural progression, I started focusing my practice on working with professional athletes and helping them to deal with a lot of the pitfalls that they face um, because of the youth, because of a lot of the socioeconomic backgrounds that many athletes come from and the lack of experience that they have in uh, and, and being around um, large amounts of wealth. So that's where I focused my, my time, effort, and energy and was fortunate enough to um, be one of the few people who was actually able to make a career out of it. Um, I spent eight years at Merrill Lynch and essentially got to the point where it was pretty evident that um, clients needed more than just investment management. They needed full lifestyle management management. Uh, and really weren't able to provide that full level of service. So I was fortunate enough to end up going over to uh, NKSF, Nigro Carlin, Siegel, and Feldstein, which is a business management firm that essentially means it's a little bit different uh, in the way that you manage someone's financial life. Instead of looking at someone's portfolio, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, we take a more holistic approach and look at them as a collective whole, not just their investment portfolio. So it's do they have the proper insurance? Um, Do they have an umbrella policy in place? Do they have... Uh, proper liability coverage? Do they have uh, proper investments? Are they doing their taxes correctly? Are they doing it in the most tax-efficient manner? Um, that's what our job is, to essentially act as a CFO for our clients. Uh, we happen to um, work specifically in the entertainment business, so actors and actresses, uh, musicians, and professional athletes. Mm-hmm. And you've been there now for for how many years? Um Essentially five. We had a there was a brief moment in time where the company where the firm was acquired by a publicly traded company and we um left for a short period of time until those managing partners and founding partners reacquired the company and came back with five years. Mm-hmm. Now did, before you started working at Merrill Lynch, did you ever um send any resumes to Goldman Sachs? No. Um you know, pretty interesting. Goldman you know, from a, from a, um, I'll tell you, from the retail side, Goldman is a, is a firm that, you know, is catching a lot of heat right now. But you know, they've always had an impeccable reputation and have been essentially the cream of the crop. You know, Goldman has had a long-standing minimum of ten million dollars in assets. So an individual has to have ten million dollars of investable assets for somebody at Goldman to even call you. So, um, Craig, I don't think I meet that expectation. Most of us don't. You know? <laughs> hey, Jack, most can you meet that? Don't. No, I, I don't think so. <laughs> you, you were saying, Craig. I'm sorry. So, Craig. Yeah. No, no. So I was just, I was just going to say, you know, so with Goldman, that was, you know, if you're, if I'm African American, you're a 22 year old young black man trying to start off. You're not going out and immediately jumping at, hey, I'm going to talk to people only with $10 million in assets. Quite frankly, I wouldn't know who to call. 
Right. You know, right. So. Right. <laughs> so we want to get, get your stuff a little bit here, um, Craig. We understand you were a left-handed picture, uh, pitcher at uh, Tulane. I was, um, and then also that's well, I was our uh, I was an outfielder at Tulane. Um, ended up getting, and, and I was also our closer, and ended up getting drafted as a pitcher um, with Cleveland. But it was a uh, very short, uh, if not uh, fun experience. You know, I played a couple a couple of seasons of minor league ball, and knew at the time, uh, even then, I'm always one. I'm a, I'm a pretty good uh, at, at keeping it real. And five foot nine lefty's not the guy that. Um, is going to have a, a very long career. Um, I was fortunate enough that I made really good grades uh, in college, and mm-hmm. I guess it kind of was a double-edged sword because having done that internship at Lehman Brothers, I knew what the opportunities were for me. I'd also served – I served uh, – I spent 10 years on the executive board of directors from 94 to 2004. So from the time of being you know, 18 to 28 years old, uh, I was on the executive board of directors of USA Baseball. Uh, which is the Olympic baseball uh, governing body. So with all the experiences I had, the contacts I'd made and that sort of thing, I was looking at, you know, the bigger and better things. A lot of people don't know, first year in professional baseball, um, and CC Sabathia uh, got drafted along with me with Cleveland. Uh, 98, that's right. Oh, yeah. Uh, same, wow. you know, same year. Um, CC and I played together. Um, well, he got a big signing bonus. I didn't, but the fact of the matter is the first year of professional baseball, everybody gets 850 bucks a month. That's what your salary is. Say that again? You get you make $850 a month Jeez, to play. $850. And, and you get paid for the six months of the season. So it's not even a 12-month gig. Wow. So people everybody. that are out there, those guys in the minor leagues are doing it for the love of it. They're not doing it because, you know – for the most of, for the for the most part, a guy who spent six, seven, eight, nine years in the minor leagues is not doing it because they're making money off of it. They're doing it because uh, they love it, you know. Right. Wow. So, I guess Michael Jordan can tell you that, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you find a newfound respect for those guys. Not to mention fourteen-hour bus rides. You know, there's no you don't fly until you get to AAA. Well, you got four levels. You know, you got four stops in minor league ball that you got to get through before you get to AAA, and you know. You're riding a bus everywhere you go, you know, 14 hours, 16 hours, um, you know, it's pretty brutal. Wow. So it's an interesting time, though. I mean, it, I tell you what, it, it hardens you. You know, if you're not a guy who grew up in the streets and got toughened up that way, uh, minor league baseball will certainly toughen you up from a mental standpoint because there's no there's no staying in nice hotels. I mean, there's places I've slept where you don't even take your clothes off because you don't want to touch the, the bed you're sleeping in, you know? Lay a towel down and sleep on that and don't move. <laughs> Interesting. Wow, 850 bucks. I, I, my head is still spinning. Yeah, you get a you get a bump to 1,000 the second year, so. Oh, wow. Jeez. Oh, and, and, and that's, you know, in doing that, you're, you're living you're living on the road. It's not like you're living at home and you're making that kind of money. You're not living with mom and dad. You're in a... You know, so you're sharing an apartment, a two-bedroom, an apartment with uh, with four guys, with three other guys, and, you know, you're eating ramen noodles. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. How difficult, uh, Craig, is it to work with these athletes? I mean, I know you're dealing with a lot of personalities. It's got to be challenging uh, that's a, sometimes. It's a 
a great question. You know, for for the most part, the guys that that we work with are fantastic. Part of that is because of the fact that we're very fortunate that at this point in our our career, my partner Dave Bolno and I, that we're able to be a little bit more selective with who we who we take on. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's not all about who's at the biggest contract because ultimately, big contract doesn't all doesn't always mean you know that they're a financial success. Right. Um, you look at the you look at the statistics. Statistics say that it's either 72 or 78, and I don't want to misquote uh, the stat, but 72 or 78 percent of all professional athletes are broke within five years of uh, earning their last paycheck. It's a staggering number, you know. And part of that reason is because guys don't listen. The other part of the reason is because these guys will retire and think that they're in great shape. I mean, for them, you know, they might retire with 20 million dollars in the bank, and that should be more than enough to live comfortably the rest of your life. Right. But if you're living a lifestyle when you retire $5 million a year, that's four years of income, Right. you know, wow. that $20 million, you know. So you do fall into that category of being broke within five years of earning your last paycheck. So essentially you can have a guy who has $20 million in the bank when he's done and be broke in five years unless they're willing to listen to somebody explain to them the fact that you can't live the lifestyle that your paycheck affords you, you got to live the lifestyle that interest off of those paychecks affords you. Right. You know, so guy with guy with five million dollars in the bank getting five percent on his money gets two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year tax free. You know, right. he's getting five percent municipal bonds. That means when he retires, he better have a lifestyle that allows him to live off of two hundred fifty thousand dollars tax free. Well, if you pay off your house or houses. And you've paid off all the vehicles that you have and that sort of thing. Well, now you're talking about $20,000 a month that you're able to live off of as spending money to pay for utilities, to pay for your property tax, and to pay for your uh, your nightlife, your, your your social activities. Mm-hmm. That should be okay, you know. But it's getting to the point where guys understand that that's really what it's about, knowing that it's not about living off of 200000 a month. It's living off of 20000 a month. I mean, you right. can't go to the mall every day. Setting yourself up with a budget, essentially saying, Craig, saying, hey, you know, you have X amount of money that you can, you know, set yourself up with that you do monthly or weekly, whatever the budget is, stay to it, and you'll be set for life. And that's absolutely right. You know, the problem with most times that, that people that work with with uh, with athletes or entertainers is, you know, for the most part, the budget's a pretty standard thing. Everybody's going to tell you they're going to give you a budget. The problem is, they set that budget out at the beginning of the year. Here's what your budget is. And then they don't tell you, what you whether or not you're on track or you're not on track until the end of the year. I equate it to you're playing a basketball game. They turn, they flip the scoreboard on, you know, while they're doing the uh, announcing the roster. And then tip-off comes, they shut the scoreboard off. And they don't turn it back on until the game's over. You don't know whether or not you're doing well or you're doing poorly until it's over with the way that most people will set up a budget for someone, which is here's your budget, and then at the end of the year we're going to tell you, you know, how well you did. You know, it's like playing a, it's like playing a game with the scoreboard off. You don't know till the end how well you did. So we try to make sure that guys uh, on a monthly basis are seeing, you know, forget about what you spent your money on. Did you spend too much? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the most important thing. I always tell guys, I don't care if you want to burn it. You have right. a certain amount of money that you're spending money, you know, that you are able to do whatever you want. So if you want to roll around in it and then flush it down the toilet, as long as you don't go over budget, I don't care. Wow. 
Now, Craig, do you specialize in any specific area? Like, I know you obviously have a passion for baseball. Do you cover, uh, and you said actresses, uh, is sport, uh, is football or uh, we predominantly or? We predominantly sit in uh, baseball and basketball um, on the sports side, and then we've got a significant presence on the urban music side. Um, unfortunately, and I'm sure not great for radio, but the nature of our clients and the things that we do, we are very um, private about who we work with. Okay. Um, we have... We have had, we currently have, you know, seven number one overall picks uh, in, from the Major League Baseball draft. We have four number one overall picks from the NBA draft. Um, we don't uh, work in football, per se, because of the fact that um, football is very difficult to manage. There's a lot of people who, who because of the sexiness of the sport, get involved with players and want to be um, involved in the, in the decision-making process with them, uh, mm-hmm. which makes it difficult. And then secondarily, there's uh, non-guaranteed contracts, which is unlike baseball and basketball. Very hard to, to um, plan for someone where it's like, oh, great, you signed a $50 million deal. Well, there's no way you're ever going to get to see, you know, the large uh, money on the back end of that deal because it's going to go against the salary cap. You know, so and when a guy gets cut and gets released out of his deal, you know, you take a Ladanian Tomlinson or someone like that. Well, you're sitting there; it could have been eighteen million dollars you're expecting the guy to make, and now it's zero. You know, and they wow. sign a deal for four million bucks or three million dollars. Very difficult to plan for that. So my hats off to the guys that 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 sit in that space. That's not me. Wow. When you played baseball in college, how bad was the steroid problem? Um. That was when I played, and not so much college, I would imagine, but in, in pro ball, when I played was the heyday of uh, the steroid era. But I can tell you, and maybe it's naivete on my part, I never witnessed anybody doing it uh, to, to actually see anyone do it. And I don't know that it was talked about a whole lot in terms of, I think there's there's a certain code of you know honor amongst thieves. Um, I think – Guys that thought other guys were doing it probably spoke more openly to each other. But if you saw me, there'd be no doubt. Nobody would ever question whether or not I was on anything, you know. So I wasn't the guy that was ever going to be privy to a lot of those conversations. But looking back on it, you know, there's several guys that I played with that I I think back and say, well, that guy the first year was throwing 92 miles an hour, came back throwing 96, you know. And that just doesn't happen. There's no development at 20 years old or 21 years old. You don't develop uh, four miles an hour in, in four months, you know. So <laughs> it's, a, it's you know, I hope that it's a black eye that's, that's starting to fade a little bit on, on the sport of baseball because obviously it's, it's my passion. Um, but they've got, a, you know, they've got a lot of work to do, you know, and I think it's, uh, it gets a lot more focus than a lot of other places. I mean, I saw where one of the University of Florida guys they just announced that he failed drug test at the combine, uh, one of the wide receivers. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it doesn't garner nearly as much attention as it does in baseball, partly because I think that there's such an easy, quantifiable way to see what steroids have done in baseball. You know, right. more power means more home runs. You know, right. more strength means 
higher velocity on your fastball. You can't really look at it and point to there's no radar gun in football, you know, there's no home run in football to be able to look at it and say, oh, well, look, he obviously was on it or not on it. And same way with basketball. So it's, it's much easier to quantify in baseball. Now, during your time with the Indians, was there anyone who you struck out and still, still feel good about today? Um, I wouldn't – you know what? I, get, I don't think that <laughs> I can necessarily <laughs> – no, you know, I don't, you know what? I will, I will say this. The biggest thing, the most important thing – that any person has to realize once they get onto that stage or that platform when you're competing against those people is that for whatever reason, somebody thought that you belonged here with everyone else, you know? So, you know, the thing that I've noticed, quite honestly, in baseball is actually a little bit different. The guys that are guys that play in the big leagues versus guys that, that – fizzle out in a ball like I did, mm-hmm. the level, the, the level, the quality of talent is not something that the average person would look at and say, holy crap, yeah, that guy's way better than that guy. It's not such a huge disparity. You know, if you're playing pro ball, there's some level of talent that's there. It's more about the consistency that those guys have versus most of the guys that are down there. You know, there's plenty of guys throwing 96, 98 that never play a day in the big league because they don't throw strikes consistent mm-hmm. enough. You know, it's not about the quality of your stuff. You know, there's guys that, that hit for power like Albert Pujols does but strike out too much, you know. So it's, it's about consistency more so than anything else. So the thing that everybody's got that we all as, as athletes have to look at and say is, I'm here because on some level I'm okay and, uh, you know, I'm able to I'm able to compete, and so you got to get it out of your head that this is X Y Z. I remember my first year they put me in uh, to play against the Triple A team, which is a lot of big leaguers coming down to get work in the minor leagues, and you know I remember Pat Borders, who was a you know very seasoned veteran. I think he played probably 18 years in the big leagues. Tried to hit one back to the team hotel off of me. I mean he he wound up and laid everything he had to it and hit a pop up to shortstop that. I mean, probably kiss the moon. I mean, just a <laughs> massive pop-up. But it's all and out in the scorebook, you know. And I get out, I go out there and pitching against AAA guys when I'm an A-ball guy, one, two, three inning, no big deal, you know. So, and that's not to that's not to pat my back. You can look at my five something ERA and know that uh, <laughs> there's no ego. There's no ego here when it comes to that. To me, it was just a great experience that allowed me to to uh, you know be able to, to leverage it to get to where I'm at now. You're listening to the LC and Jack Radio Show here on Blog Talk Radio. Our guest this evening is Mr. Craig Brown, and he's sharing his uh, personal experiences and stories uh, about college, work, and, and life in the big league, so to speak. But if you'd like to call in and ask a question, Mr. Brown, please pick up the phone and dial 347-843-4738. Craig, I've got one more for you, and actually, I have to um, I have to take off. I have another appointment, but Elsie is going to hold it down for the duration of the show. So I'm going to say. And I've got to jump too. I've actually got my wife, uh, the the love the love of uh, of live radio, sitting at dinner, waiting oh, oh, patiently, wow. which has been okay. nice. Well, well, Elsie, why don't you why don't you go ahead and we'll we'll wrap up in a couple of minutes then. But if you've got some other questions, Elsie, go ahead. Yeah, real quick, Craig. What 
What types of, for the listeners out there, what types of certifications uh, are needed to do something uh, that you do? Uh, for, for, for the, for, great. For the most part, you know, people would, you know, the majority of individuals are financial advisors, stockbrokers at a brokerage firm, and either have their Series 6 license or their Series 7 license, okay. uh, which, is, which those licenses allow you to legally be able to trade uh, uh, in the stocks, bonds, and mutual fund world. Um, so it allows you to be able to place transactions on behalf of a client. Um, you know, and then there are uh, a certain number of, of CPA firms, like NKSF is actually a CPA firm, and we do, um, you know, we act as the business manager, so we don't actually do the investments. We just oversee uh, the investment manager. So usually it's a Series 6 or Series 7. Excellent, excellent. And, Jack, do you have a last one before you drop off? Yeah, just for our listeners and for some of the younger folks who I know are tuned in this evening, uh, Craig, if you can just tell us who some of your heroes or role models were or are, uh, I think uh, our listeners would appreciate that. Sure. Well, I always say, you know, from a from a sports standpoint, I will always give uh, to uh, all credit and and respect to Jackie Robinson for being such a trailblazer, um, not only on the field but off the field you know, doing everything the right way. Um, you know, as far as some of the uh, more modern guys, I'll say, you know, um, I love King Griffey Jr. Uh, you know, I grew up idolizing him. Uh, another guy that was someone who was, you know, always seen in a positive light, doing things the right way, um, you know, on the baseball side. We can't, can't not talk about Michael Jordan since I just sat in – was fortunate enough to sit very close to him as uh, our Orlando Magic were closing out the Bobcats. Um, but then, you know, on the, uh, you know, on the business side, I look at um, there's a gentleman by the name of Stan O'Neill who was the former CEO of Merrill Lynch, um, who I had a chance to meet on a number of occasions and was, uh, you know, has gotten a, a, a doesn't have the greatest reputation because of. A lot of things that ended up happening with Merrill, you know, during the financial crisis, but that ended up happening to, to every institution. But he's a guy that, uh, you know, went from running GM to running, uh, you know, one of the uh, the, the most respected uh, brokerage firms uh, in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I always try and look at, at not what the result is, but more the process of, of individuals as well as in my life. So, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, as you were talking just briefly, as you were speaking earlier about your time at Merrill Lynch and some of the accounts that you manage, it made me think of the movie The Pursuit of Happiness, yep. the scene where um, he's invited to the football game, and he's thinking, like, you know, I'm getting really close to managing this guy's account. The guy just kind of says to him, look, uh, I, I forget what he said exactly. but He said, I didn't, he said, he said I, when I agreed to meet with you, I didn't realize that you'd only been there a few months. There's no way I'd ever be able to let you manage, you know, our pension plan. I watch. I've seen that movie about fifty times. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever? Had That's the worst too. Like <laughs> it is. It's very good. Have you ever had something like that happen to you, where someone has just flat out and told you, "Hey, look, you're young. You don't have a shot." You know what? And and I'm I'm gonna have to jump after I answer this, but let me yeah. give you the exact opposite of that. When I was uh, when I was at Merrill, first starting off, uh, a guy by the name of Vic Hughes. 
was one of my buddies from college's dad and he owned a printing company in New Orleans, Pella Hughes Printing, so I'll give him a plug there. Um and he told me, The day you get your uh your seven, give me a call and I'm gonna move my account to you. And knowing I didn't know anything, but I've basically been in the business for one day. I uh told him I passed my seven, my series seven, and he transferred his entire account to me and it was a big account. You know, it allowed me you know, to not have my bosses breathing down my neck at all. So it was actually the exact opposite of the pursuit of happiness, but, uh, it's a great you know, story. but nonetheless, a great story. Guys, I appreciate the time. I'm going to have to jump and uh, love to be back on again. Okay, Craig, Craig. thank you love for your time. Happen. And uh, we look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you. Thanks Enjoy a lot, Craig. Right, Craig. Thanks. All right. Well, there you have it, LC, our special guest this evening, Mr. Craig Brown. With some great stories there, Jack. Yeah, yes, very nice indeed. And uh, we do hope to have Craig back on the air again with us. I'll see any parting words for our guests before we sign off this evening. No, just uh, would like to uh, thank our listeners for being faithful and listening and reaching out to us and supporting the show as we uh, continue to expand it and grow it. So we continue. We we thank you again and and uh, wish. Your continued support. You've been listening to the LT Jack Radio Show here on Block Talk Radio. We do hope that you tune in next week for another edition of LT Jack. Have a good night.